This week on Moms Moving On. Your body was telling you that. You know, your body knows when something isn't right. It knows when that relationship that was the fairy tale in your head is not the one you need. And yet it takes so much courage, right, to admit that maybe we made a mistake or not even a mistake, maybe something, a path we went down is not the right path and we need to, need to change direction. And I think that was really hard for me too. You know, I mean, I avoided taking that journey. I didn't want to go back to those demons and have to unearth them and have to do the work. But I now know that is the only way we will ever find, you know, fulfillment or peace because it takes going back and really understanding why we're acting in the way we're acting to reprocess it and teach ourselves a new story. Life moves on, so why shouldn't we? This is Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, your host of Moms Moving On, navigating divorce, co-parenting, single motherhood, and moving on. Welcome back to another Moms Moving On, and I have another someone on the podcast who you may not associate with moving on. If you have children, guaranteed they've played with her toys. I have Melissa Bernstein, co-founder of Melissa and Doug Toys on the podcast today because she's written a book, and it's a book that can help so many women, especially as they're grappling with figuring out how to move on and motherhood and their own mental health struggles in the process. Melissa, thank you so much for being here today. Oh my gosh, Michelle, thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad you're here. And like I said, before we started recording, it's amazing that even despite the success you've had with Melissa and Doug, you've now found a way to continue helping people. And this time, helping people who are struggling with anxiety and depression, just like you did. So do you want to give us a little backstory into how the idea for the book came about? Sure. And in a way, it was my own moving on from, you know, sort of the uh, traumas of the past, from the dissociation, from what I was feeling to really becoming my authentic self. So it was moving past the inauthenticity into the authenticity, which I think so many of us, when we're moving on with our lives, are doing. That's exactly what we're doing. And it, it, it comes to this point of like an awakening of where am I? How did I get here? And how can I make this part of my life better? Exactly. And that's what I was running from my whole life. And I think so many of us, you know, we grow up in this society that has, I believe, some terrible myths. And one of them is, for me, was this being a woman means I have to be perfect. And I can't show any chink in my armor. And I have to be a pleaser. I have to support everyone around me. I can't ever ask for help. Um, I have to become a martyr. And serving myself, caring about myself is selfish. Mm -hmm. And I must never do it. Uh, And that's pretty much the role I adopted from very young. And of course, I had that role, which had its own complications and issues uh, that made me deny the ability to feel emotions myself. And then on top of that, I also had this existential depression, which was a deep meaning crisis where I didn't feel like 
the world had any meaning and I didn't know why I was here. And I struggled with having a sense of purpose in a world that seemed utterly futile. I'm so sorry to hear you went through that, but this is something that I'm hearing more and more. And now that we're at a place in our society where we're sharing our struggles and we're sharing what we've been through and we're trying to uplift one another, it seems that many women, especially women who choose to leave their marriages, come to this sort of reckoning as well. And I'm wondering for you, what was the turning point? Like, where did, where did the other shoe drop? When you, the other shoe, do you mean like when I knew that I needed to sort of share my truth? Yes. That's a great question. So I think when we deny everything we're feeling and deny everything we are, it's exhausting. You know, wearing a facade and pretending we're someone we're not is exhausting and it creates a lot of suffering. And I was in a lot of pain. I never shared it with anyone. And even myself, I denied it from myself. I was resisting everything I felt and pushing it down further and further thinking when you push it down, it just kind of escapes, but it doesn't. The more you push it down, the more it festers. And I was becoming more and more exhausted because I was also doing something that I call the feudal race. I was like racing so quickly to try to achieve more, to try to do more, to try to be more, to try to serve more. And it wasn't filling that inner hole within. So ultimately, and I now understand firsthand why they call it a midlife crisis, you know, I started becoming more and more exhausted and I started having a harder time and I could feel myself getting weaker and the cry of my soul to be seen authentically getting louder. And it was like, I reached this point where the two kind of collided and I kind of cracked, you know, the facade started to give way, or I call it the dam that held back like my, the lifetime of repressed feeling and repressed pain. And I basically succumbed. And I was the first time in my life that I said, I'm imperfect. I can't do this alone. I'm a mess. <laughs> I need help. And I enlisted the help, not till middle age, but the help of a trained professional to really finally make this journey inward and accept myself in totality. But it's, you know, you say finally, but I am of the belief that it's never too late to seek the help or the guidance you need. And as a coach, you know, women will come and, and they'll say, where were you five years ago? And I'll say, but you didn't need me five years ago. You didn't need me till you woke up and realized something's got to change. And I mean, that rock bottom place, you could see it as, as in two ways. You can see it as I'm here now, this sucks, my life is over, or how do I find my way out of this and who am I going to ask for help? And I'm so glad you were able to take that latter path because so many people can't. So your book is helping people do that, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that my vulnerability and my saying, listen, on the outside, I have everything. And I really do. Like, I have this incredible relationship with my husband, Doug, who I met when I was 19. I have like all the trappings. But guess what? Whether you have them or not, 
it doesn't bring you inner peace and acceptance. So whether you have those or whether those things have fallen apart, it really doesn't matter. We're all the same. We're all seeking the same thing, which is acceptance as exactly who we are and chasing it outside ourselves. And I think we anchor into like, when I have the perfect, you know, the perfect job, the perfect marriage, the perfect kids, it'll come. And what we're seeing and what your listeners are realizing now is a lot of times that's just a fairy tale. That's just a myth. And it doesn't live up to these expectations. And when those things fall away, when they shatter, we're left with just that inner hole that needs to be filled with our own compassion and love. Absolutely. I talk about that all the time. You know, when we're in our twenties and we're seeking out a partner, it's good on paper. Does he have the things that will give me a seemingly good life? Is he a professional? You know, is he tall, dark and handsome? Will my family like him? And then we get into this relationship and we get to know ourselves more because we really don't know ourselves in our twenties. And we're like, wait a second. I'm this person. I chose this person for what I thought it could mean. And it doesn't mean any of those things. And for me, I'll tell you, I'm somebody who struggles with anxiety very openly. Um, Didn't come to terms with it until way later in my life, like you. And all of these feelings only triggered my anxiety even more. I, I felt I would call my mom every night when I was married to my ex-husband and say, I can't breathe. I think I'm having a heart attack. And she would say, Michelle, you're panicking. This is panic. This is anxiety. And that's what it felt like until I was able to step outside of that and be like, all right, somebody help me. Because like you, I'm a go, go, go type A, let's get it done type of person. And there's something beautiful about leaning into your struggles and saying, all right, let's tackle this because we can't live like this anymore. And your body was telling you that, you know, your body knows when something isn't right. It knows when that relationship that was the fairy tale in your head is not the one you need. And yet it takes so much courage, right? To admit that maybe we made a mistake or not even a mistake, maybe something, a path we went down is not the right path and we need to need to change direction. And I think that was really hard for me too. You know, I mean, I avoided taking that journey. I didn't want to go back to those demons and have to unearth them and have to do the work. But I now know that is the only way we will ever find, you know, fulfillment or peace because it takes going back and really understanding why we're acting in the way we're acting to reprocess it and teach ourselves a new story. Yeah. So you mentioned your husband, Doug, and wow, how cute that you guys have been together basically your whole lives, your whole adult lives. How, you know, I know for a lot of people when they come to this awakening or realization in their lives, it can sometimes impact their relationship negatively, or it can make it that much better. So what are some of the ways that your relationship has benefited since you're being able to lean into these struggles and come to terms with them? Gosh, I mean, I've changed completely. You know, I was for anyone who knew me and no one knew me. I didn't even know myself. You know, I was basically a one emotion person. And my only emotion was great, fine, perfect. Anything I truly felt that wasn't shiny, I just denied and Mm -hmm. and didn't let in. And I pretty much lived that way my entire life. Like I had to learn what emotions were and how to feel. So I think I was, even though I 
thought I was living and it was sort of the only self I knew. Uh, I can only imagine I was very robotic and, and forced and very um, close to showing how I felt. I never cried. I thought crying was like really weak. I mean, I never cried, you know, in public. Right. Um, but I now know that was one of my very flawed misperceptions. And obviously showing emotion is living and being human and the best thing we can do. So I think Doug is now getting to see me for good or for bad as a full spectrum of emotion and not just like a robotic sort of emotionless person. I love that. And I love that he's able to support you in that journey. Cause I feel that that's, that's what often becomes the great divide. Um, and the straw that breaks the camel's back. It's, you know, they say men marry women, hoping they won't change and women marry men, hoping they will change. So when the woman does start to change, it can be really tough for, for a man to accept. You know, Doug has been incredible in his love for me. You know, from the moment I met him, he has been like, I don't, I don't even know why. Sometimes I'm like, why do you like me so much? I'm so odd. But he is always, there's a lid always. Yeah, he's like, he's like really appreciated me. And I think um, he's been by my side, you know, through this whole journey. And it hasn't been easy for him because he, you know, definitely hides his emotions. And I think is not that full spectrum of emotion and is definitely hasn't done the work I've done. Mm -hmm. So I think it's fascinating that he's able to really accept it in me um, and appreciate it. And, and really he's proud of it, but I think, you know, he's not ready to take that journey himself. Interesting. Hey guys, Michelle here with a word from one of our sponsors. The Soberlink system is designed to make parenting time safer with real-time remote alcohol monitoring. Soberlink uniquely combines a breathalyzer with wireless connectivity and is the only system that includes facial recognition, tamper detection, and advanced reporting. Parents can submit a test anytime, anywhere, thanks to Soberlink's wireless technology, which delivers test results by text message or email to the concerned parties. Simplify co-parenting arrangements by using the system that provides transparency and proof of sobriety throughout the day. Flexible schedules combined with real-time delivery of results make Soberlink the experts in remote alcohol monitoring technology. For a limited time, get $50 off your device by emailing info at soberlink.com and mentioning Moms Moving On. Drive safe. Wait, 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 wait. Before we do anything, I have to ask, have you not joined the Moms Moving On membership community yet? This is the place I created for anybody looking for the benefits of coaching without having to commit to a high coaching fee. I've rounded up my go-to experts to put together curated content just for you, including free monthly webinars with me, self-confidence boosters, co-parenting tips and strategies, heartbreak advice, divorce anxiety relief, legal advice from top U.S. attorneys and mediators, financial advice, eBooks to help you on your journey, journal prompts and worksheets, discounts for all my favorite brands. The list goes on and on and on. And all of this at only $9.99 a month. 
Yep, you heard that right. $9.99 a month to be connected to women all over the world who are going through exactly what you're going through and to connect with me. Go to momsmovingon.com slash become a member and join us today. Now, you talk a little bit about, or you talk a lot about overcoming perfectionism. And what I found for myself and what I know to be true from a lot of the single moms I work with is that single moms tend to fall victim to the single mom syndrome in which they feel they have to be the perfect mom. They, they focus 100% on their kids and they have to, you know, put this appearance on of I'm doing everything perfectly. I'm not the struggling single mom, but it inevitably it breaks them. How would you encourage them to step out of this mindset? Wow. And, you know, for me, perfectionism and martyrdom were linked. And martyrdom is when you believe you're being selfless in serving your kids or anyone, just for everything they need, you're there for them and you're giving them and supporting them in every way you can. And you believe you're doing it selflessly when in truth, with in my case, I really wanted the gratitude. I was really waiting to be hoisted up on their shoulders and anointed as this savior and like given eternal, um, you know, commendation for being like this, this savior. And when I wasn't, I ended up becoming deeply resentful and bitter and didn't even know it. It was like this seething anger that I was like used and I was a tool just to serve others needs. And I really was nothing to people. Wow. I love that you're able to verbalize that because I feel like so many of us deal with that. Yeah. And it's that not being seen, even though we should all be acting in a way that is kind and helpful to others, regardless of the gratitude or or the fulfillment or the acknowledgement. I, I, I mean, yeah, I get it. That's selfless. That's selfless. But the truth is, I think many of us as women, we fall into the martyrdom role as children to be seen in our families to be validated. We become the pleaser. We become the good girl that does everything she's supposed to do. And that's what it was for me. I pleased in order to uh, not irk people and get them angry at me. And that just became a, an, an unfortunate role that I followed throughout my life. But it ended up probably making me more bitter than anything else in my life because I viewed myself as nothing more than just uh, a throwaway that people were willing to trample to get to what they needed. And so what I would say to women is I think, you know, the idea of self-care wasn't even in my vocabulary. I mean, I viewed self-care as selfish. This is another one of my flawed perceptions that we don't deserve as women, or I didn't deserve to treat myself with any kindness. It was all about serving others. And I now know that you can't serve from an empty well. Mm -hmm. When your well is empty and you're serving, you become bitter and angry and really resentful. And I now see that actually my serving was selfish in the deepest sense because one, I didn't serve myself. I I ended up being angry, bereft, and really bitter. And most importantly, I didn't even serve my children because 
I needed the validation of them so badly that I was willing to sacrifice their independence, their resilience, and their grit to do everything for them and not allow them to develop the fortitude necessary to live independent, fulfilling lives. So really, I left them incapable to take care of themselves because I had such a need to put myself right in the middle of, of them and their independence to become like the, the savior that did it all. I, this is something that so many moms struggle with, especially single moms who are feeling guilty for the fact that they are now single moms. And I always say, it's not what you do or don't do that's going to affect your children's lives. It's how you make them feel and how you allow them to step into each phase of their lives independently. And it's it's a hard, it's a bitter pill to swallow. I mean, I, I had a friend say to me recently, remember when you first got separated and you always had to have like a perfect plan for Bella every day and you always had to be busy and you always had to do this. And it was like, I wanted to have her in every after school activity and I was running myself dry until I realized that all she really needed was just like, me to be there. And, yes. and that, that idea of perfectionism is nothing more than selfish. I love that you can. You can. And, and even more so one of the other tools I've used to get me to take more care of myself is this idea of being the change you want to see. And if I don't want my own daughters, I have four daughters and two sons. If I don't want them to become bereft, angry, bitter martyrs themselves, then what model am I showing them by being a doormat that people just walk on right. and never taking care of myself? So now I say, not even if I don't want to do it for myself because I think I don't deserve it, I have to do it as a role model for them to show them that in their lives, I want them to choose themselves, to choose self-care and to know that they need to fill their own well, as I said, in order to truly be able to serve others compassionately. And it's never too late to learn that lesson. Yeah. So let's let's get into the book a bit. So when when did you write the book? When when did it come out? It came out just this March. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Exciting stuff. Um, how do you feel that someone who maybe isn't struggling with their mental health, but is really looking to find some sense of peace within themselves in this new journey in their lives as they move on. How do you feel the book can be helpful? That's a great question. And you know, the truth is it's not really for everyone. I mean, it was really written. It was my, my uh, most challenging product ever. It took me 50 years to come out with it. And I would say I had six C-sections for my kids. And I say that this was the baby that needed the biggest C-section because it would not come out of me. Um, and, you know, it was really my bid to share my story, to finally say, this is who I am. I was hiding behind a facade my whole life. And my hope that if I could share my, my story and all its rawness and deep vulnerability, then maybe I can give others the courage to do the same. So it's not a self-help book. It's not like follow this plan and 30 days to liberation. And I think many of us are still looking for that. We're still looking for that quick fix that will get us from here to there. And unfortunately, there's there's no such thing. I now know that it's about taking responsibility for our own lives and making meaning for ourselves, which is different for every person. My meaning is not your meaning, is not the next person's meaning. And it's really having the courage to take this inner journey 
and kind of figure out for the first time, like, who am I? What do I want with my life? What are my values? What am I willing to, to fight for? And how am I going to make the most of the time I have left here? Well, it may not be for everybody, but it sounds like it's for everybody who would be listening to this podcast, because when you're at this place of, oh my goodness, my marriage ended and I never expected this and here I am, what do I do now? What better time to do the work on yourself? I always say I could not have stepped into the life that I have now had I not gotten ugly and real with myself and, and done all the work that needed to be done. So I'm going to vote that this book is for everyone. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and again, the, you know, similar to leaving anything behind, whether it's a relationship, whether it's, I left this facade of a self behind and it really was like I had been imprisoned in this facade that tormented me night and day and, and wanted me to do some very terrible things to myself. And I had to leave it behind sort of as the ashes and, and be the phoenix that was rising out of it. So I truly feel I can relate to your listeners because although it wasn't a relationship per se, in a way it was, it was a relationship with myself that was inauthentic and, and, and unreal. And I needed to step out of that into the real me. And I love to tell you the lifeline because there's, there's no time in your life quite like that cocoon to butterfly moment where you're like, somebody throw me a lifeline, somebody help. And, and your minds, who are your lifelines? Well, my lifelines were actually the verses that I wrote that saved me, you know, from the time I was like three years old on, uh, the thoughts in my head were so dark and so unable to be verbalized and understood that I wrote these verses. They're very metered rhyming verses that brought order to the chaos in my head. And those lifelines were what I repeated to myself my entire life to keep me here um, in many, on many days when I didn't want to be here. So I think they really comprise a big part of the book. I mean, it is my story too, but there are about a thousand verses in there of the 3,500 that had never been seen by anyone when I wrote the book. So that's why it's called lifelines, because they're lines of verse and they were my lifelines. But the word lifelines more generally has come to uh, be our vibrant ecosystem. And it's also come to be anything that becomes part of your practice and your lifelines to keep you, I say, safe and sane in a world that's going to throw curveballs your way every single day, like COVID. You know, and I think that practice that most of us didn't have prior to COVID and we were knocked for a loop in not having that, that fortitude internally and mentally to withstand it. I think we all need that practice now, whether we are safe or not, so that when that next curveball is thrown, which is life, we will be better able to withstand it. Love that. I love it. And I really want to check out your book and I would love to read these verses. I'm a big believer in writing out your feelings and and dealing with them on paper. It has helped me tremendously. It's a large part of the book that I've written that's coming out soon is harnessing the power of just like putting your feelings out on paper and what that can do for you emotionally and, uh, and physically too, when you're angry and just need a release. But that being said, it's been phenomenal getting to know you. I, I love this depth. You know, we think of Melissa and Doug, the toy company, and they must live this like happy life, like 
yeah. the toy maker in uh, what's that movie? Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and just <laughs> living the dream. But everybody has a story and sharing yours will be so impactful for other women. And I really appreciate it. Before can I can I say one other thing? You know, I think one of the things I want to show everyone most importantly is that one, you can think it's the American dream. You can think you're going to keep striving and achieve that goal, and that bliss is going to ensue. It's not true. Um, I have everything I could ever want, and still I didn't have the self-acceptance I so needed to be at peace. So it really takes that. And then the other thing is we believe that people who do have it all and look a certain way and have the riches, that um, they can't suffer, that life must be perfect for them. And I want to show everyone that that is a myth. That is a lie. And people who look that way, they are not telling the truth because all of us are human and all of us suffer and all of us have high days and low days and ups and downs. And I personally am living with a mental health affliction. I suffer from existential depression and I'm still living a bountiful life, but it doesn't mean I don't have dark days and it doesn't mean I don't need this vibrant and intentional practice every single day to stay afloat. So all of us, whether we have a mental health affliction or a tragedy or trauma we're getting over, that doesn't mean there isn't light. It doesn't mean we can't have a beautiful life as well. Oh my goodness. I was just going to ask you your one piece of advice for a mom moving on and dealing with her own mental health struggles. But I think you just summed it up beautifully. Melissa Bernstein, it was an honor getting to know you. I will be linking your book in these show notes because I personally can't wait to get my hands on it. And I really want my readers to get their hands on this as well. You don't have to be struggling with your mental health to just take a helping hand, read some lifelines and see how that can shape the rest of your journey as you move on. Melissa, where can everybody find you if they wanted to learn more about you or connect with you? I respond personally to every email I get. So I'm at Melissa Bernstein at lifelines.com. And our ecosystem is lifelines.com. Doug and I are doing this as our passion project. It is entirely free. So all our workshops, we have a journey you can take. We have community. It's all free. So please join us. We've offered a lot of support. We're just peer to peer, but uh, sharing your feelings with like regular people, just like you can be tremendously healing. Absolutely. That's what it's about. It's about sharing and connecting. There's no better way to get through something than with that connection. So thank you for providing that to the people who need it. You are a light and I'm glad you found your light. Everybody else listening, find your light, read the book connect, get to know this beautiful woman who sits in front of me and keep moving on. You've got this. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moms Moving On. I hope you found today's episode to be helpful, inspiring, and give you the advice you need to feel empowered and strong as you move on. Don't forget to come say hi on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey and drop us a line if there's a specific topic or subject you'd like us to discuss. Thanks. Stay strong.